What we did is we are continuing our study of the book of Revelation, and we are purposely uh, starting off in a, in a somewhat of a slow fashion. We're doing that to just remind ourselves of some of the very basic truths of the Word of God. We have also have had so many new people that have come in, uh, in in the last several months, a lot of them specifically for the book of Revelation. So we've tried to, as we've been approaching the foundation for this book that God lays out for us in the first eight verses. We've purposely been trying to make sure that we're all on the same ground and we've all got the same basic foundation. And last week, after covering the theme of the Bible, and we took several messages to just talk about verse 7, the the fact that the theme of the Bible is the second coming of Jesus Christ when He will come to this planet and He will set things right. It's going to be right when he gets here that second time. And now we come to verse 8, which John lays out for us right here in verse 8, the most important doctrine in the entire Bible. He does it in a clear-cut, concise manner where he goes into incredible depth. But what it did for us is it kind of opened us up to one of the chief characteristics that the Lord teaches us concerning the time that we are presently living in. And it's found, you, you can turn to it if you like, uh, if you may want to just listen. But in Second Timothy chapter 4, verses 3 and 4, <clears throat> excuse me, it, talking about the very time that we're presently living in, it, it says this, for the time will come, okay, and it is now here, when they will not endure sound doctrine. Now, here we are over in Revelation chapter 1 and verse 8. I want you to feel the dilemma that we're in. We're at the most important doctrine in the entire Bible, but what God says is characteristic of the very time that we're presently living in. It is a time when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears And they, that is the teachers that they heap to themselves, those teachers shall turn away their ears from the truth, and the people will be turned unto fables. We talked last week about the fact that doctrine, in the time that we're presently living in, to a large degree, it is viewed as an interruption to the unity in the body of Christ. And we've got everybody divided over these doctrines, and people say, so we, we really can't emphasize doctrine. He just said, the time's going to come in the last days when they won't endure it. Okay, I don't care why people have gotten to that point. I'm just telling you, the fulfilled prophecy is right there. People viewing doctrine as an interruption to unity in the body. And then there's other people, people that would be like perhaps some of the people in this room that would view doctrine as something that is irrelevant to practical Christian living. Hey, give me something... scratch me where I itch, give me something that's going to help me Monday and Tuesday. And what I tried to do last week is just, to a large degree, play devil's advocate with you and just begin to show you that we think that we've got some of these basic doctrines down, such as the one that he talks about in Revelation chapter 1 and verse 8 concerning the deity of Jesus Christ, the fact that Jesus Christ is God. And what I did is I, I just played like I was... Some of the people who come to our front doors and we talk to through the screen door or out on our front porch, and the truth is, some of you allowed me to to just 
totally blow you off your front porch last week. Taking you in your Bible to places where you're talking about the very basic doctrine of the deity of Christ, that Jesus Christ is God in human flesh, and a lot of us were going, wow, I guess I don't know this as, as, as good as I, I thought. And you know, what I thought that I was going to be doing th- this morning, in fact, I, I, as I set out this week, and you know, I mean, as soon as this message is done, I, my mind is starting to think about next week and where we're going with that thing. And as I, we came to an end last week, I just knew for sure, certain what we were going to do. I, I was going to answer all of the things that I, I left up in the air, and I know that's why you came this morning, wanting those things. And, and yet as I began to study and go into the Word of God and just see the importance of some of the things that we were talking about, I started moving in this direction, and I'm, I'm kind of like going, why am I going in this direction when I left everybody in our church up in the air last week? And you know, and I'm, I'm telling you, I'm, I mean, I'm, it's, it's, it's Friday, and I mean, I've, I've been pouring myself into these other things all week, and I'm like, am I doing what I'm supposed to be doing here? And I thought that up until Friday night. I got up real early Friday morning, and, uh, and I had planned to go to bed early uh, Friday night because I knew I had to get up early again on Saturday morning. And so my son went somewhere. I had to go pick him up at 11 o'clock, so I wasn't going to get to bed when I thought that I was going to, but I know why now. There was a TV show that was on that uh, now normally I don't think God wants us spending as much time as we do in front of the, the television, but I needed to see this. And I'm going to tick some of you off right now by, by telling you about this program. And, and I, I understand that. And but just in light of everything that we've been talking about, I, I just feel like I, I need to I, I need to tell you because I, I felt like this was the issue. This was why I was going the direction that we're going to go this morning. And, and you can we are going to address all the things that I left up in the air last week. It just may not be today, okay? Um, but and it's, you know what? As soon as I tell you what I watched on TV, some of you are already going to have the fur on, on the back of your neck standing up. You're already going to get a little bit nervous. Okay, Relax. Relax. Okay? It's just us. I, I'm telling you guys, I, I watched what I, I think was probably the saddest thing that I have watched in my life on television. I've seen a lot of, a lot of trash. But I watched what, what, was, what was heartbreaking. I mean, I sat there with my wife, and we were both dumbfounded by the stuff that we were hearing. Uh, did anybody anybody else catch David Frost in his interview on Friday night? Wait, wait, let me just see who, who caught it. Man, there must have been a great ball game on the other channel. I, well, what'd y'all watch, man? I, I missed that. Y'all tell me about that later. But let me tell you about this now. David Frost, who, and I don't know if he is a believer in, a biblical believer in Jesus Christ, or not, but he was interviewing the premier religious leader of our day and has been the religious leader for almost the last 50 years. When you, when you think of somebody who's religious, who comes to your mind? Billy Graham. I mean, and so here is David Frost, and he's in this. Now, now listen. Let me let me pat you for okay. If you were saved under Billy Graham's ministry, I say, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I don't doubt your conversion. I don't doubt his conversion. 
I believe Billy Graham was a man that was greatly used of God at a period of time in this country. No doubt about that. Okay, everybody feeling real good now? David Frost is, is interviewing him. I, I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm, my mouth is just dropping open because David Frost is, uh, and, and I'll just give you some of the, some of the biggies. Uh, now, could you, could you give to us a biblical description of hell? Uh, there's been so much talk, you know, about this, this terrible place that people will go if they are not born again. I mean, and David Frost is using those very terms. Yeah, this terrible place. So could you give to us a biblical description of hell? Now, can you? Okay, just go through in your mind, what is a biblical description of hell? Here's the answer. Hell is separation from God. Okay, take me to chapter and verse on that. What we're looking for is a biblical description of hell. Not what is it. Give us a biblical description of hell. Eternal separation from God. Oh, so then this concept of this terrible place, is that's, that's a misnomer. It's not really what hell is. Hell is separation from God. It is a place where there is no love, where there is not the presence of God, where there is not forgiveness, where... What? You know, folks, a biblical description of hell, I mean, you know what? I mean, you don't even have to think about it, do you? Hell is an eternal place of punishment. It is a place of utter darkness. It is a place, though it is completely dark, it has burning flames where the scripture says that people will beg for a drop of water to cool their tongue. There will be weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. It is a place where the worm dieth not. I mean, is this hard? But to deny the fact that there is a literal place where people will spend eternity who are not born again, I am I don't even know what to do with it. Um, well, and, and can you just, you know, in the earlier years, it seemed like you took some strong stands on some things, but it seems like now you've kind of branched out in some areas. Yes, uh, I, I feel as comfortable in an Anglican church as I do a Presbyterian church, a Baptist church, or a Roman Catholic church. Guys, I'm I'm not trying to I'm not trying to beat this guy up. I'm just trying to let you know we're living in a time that is just incredible. I mean, that's that's you know what? I'm not that comfortable. I'm not comfortable at all. I've been over in the Basilica over in Cebu City, Philippines, and I had the heebie-jeebies, guys. How many of you been over there in, in that thing? Did you? Did, how comfortable were you there? I'm telling you what, man. You're in that place, and I've got goosebumps right now thinking about it. I'm, I'm telling you, if you've been there, it, 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 you're not comfortable in there as you're watching people 
from the back of the building, crawling on their knees on the hard marble floor up to worship the idols and touching the idols where they want to receive some kind of a blessing, some type of a healing. And Boy, I couldn't wait to get out of there, man. People with burning candles and ladies dancing around you like, like, like this, you know, saying stuff, you know. I'm like, Ooh. I'm not comfortable. And he says, you know, I, I just love everybody. Is that, is that what God wants us to do? Is this thing that Jesus said would be the identifying mark of those in the body of Christ, this thing of love, is it something that you just throw around? What, what, what are we really called to do when it comes to this, this thing of love? And, and you see, now, now we're dealing with, again, the most important doctrine in the entire Bible. And, and I keep saying that because I want, I want you to get to the point where you're saying, why? Why is that one more important than any of the others? It's more important because of what you're going to see that God says about this particular doctrine today. I mean, that one specifically. But in order for us to really get the full meal deal on this thing, I feel like we need to identify what are some of the, the false doctrines that we're dealing with Concerning the deity of Christ in these last days. And it's on your study sheet there. I invite you to follow along. First of all, one of the false doctrines, and this one is so obvious, but there are the atheists. That's letter A on your outline, atheist. And as you know, an atheist is generally one who prides himself in being an intellectual. So, you know, in being one, He's going to be too smart to deny the existence of Jesus Christ because, I mean, the fact of his life is an undisputed historical fact. But, of course, an atheist believes, though Jesus Christ did walk on this planet, and, yes, he did exist, they believe that Jesus Christ was only a man. And, oh, they'll give you the fact that he was a very moral, intellectual, and a very influential teacher and philosopher and all of that, but they certainly don't believe that he rose from the dead because, of course, to believe that would mean that he was God because he exercised power over death and of life. And so that's the atheist. And, you know, they'll, they'll tip the hat in all of these areas, and I think C.S. Lewis just absolutely... Now, now I mentioned that name. <sighs> you know, I don't agree with everything that C.S. Lewis has written and, and all of that, Okay. I do agree with this. I mean, he just nails this issue. Look at what it says. I am trying here to prevent anyone saying the really foolish thing that people often say about him, that is Christ. I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, but I don't accept his claim to be God. That is one thing we must not say. A man who was merely a man and said the sort of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on a level with the man who says he's a poached egg, or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the Son of God, or else a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool. You can spit at him and kill him as a demon. 
where you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about his being a great human teacher. He has not left that open to us. He did not intend to. (laughs) Amen? I mean, that's true. I mean, we don't normally think about it in those terms. Oh, yes, well, at least they think he's a great man. No, he's a jerk if he wasn't God because he said that he was. Okay, there's another group that you may, to to this point, not even heard of, but you will, and, and you ought to at least know where they're coming from before they become the issue that I think they're probably going to become. It's a group called the Christadelphians. Just spell Christ, and you're real familiar with Adelphian. Christadelphians. And their beliefs are very similar to some false teachings that go back as far as the first and second century uh, under the name of Gnosticism. But in a, in a nutshell, the Christadelphians believe that, that at a certain point in time, God created Jesus, just like God created the man, created man and the angels. So you, you, you understand the point, as a created being, Jesus will never be equal to God or totally divine. I mean, if he's a created being, he, he can never be equal to God because he's not God. A created being is not God. Okay, And yet they believe, and this is where they suck people in, they believe that Jesus is the literal Word of God who became flesh. And they teach that in that flesh he was a very special and yet mortal man, and that at his baptism he received the Christ Spirit or his his divine power, but at the beginning of his suffering on the cross, the the Christ or, or God part of him left leaving the man Jesus to die there. And again, this is a, a, a false teaching that you, uh, you can go back into the, the latter part of the first century and in the second century and find people that believe that kind of trash. But since they assert that man has no soul, they believe that Jesus also ceased to exist during the three days that he was dead and then upon his resurrection, they believe that Jesus became the fullness of deity in bodily form. And so what they're trying to do is grab some verses over here, flush some over here, and come up with a package to deceive the hearts of people who don't really know what this book is about. And then there's the Jehovah's Witnesses. And most of you are a little more familiar about with these folks than certainly the Christadelphians and maybe some of the others. But <clears throat> they teach that Jesus was created by God just prior to the creation of everything else, and then Jesus, who is a God, but not the God, a God, not Jehovah God, the one true God, Jesus then, okay, so God creates Jesus, and then Jesus creates everything else. And that's why where our Bible reads in Colossians chapter 1 and verse 16, for by Him, that is Christ, were all things created, the Jehovah's False Witness Bible, the New World Translation, inserts the word other before things to make the text read, by him all other things were created. And folks, there's not a Greek manuscript anywhere in existence or that has ever been in existence that has the word other in Colossians chapter 1 and verse 16. And just to make sure that he's kept distinct from Jehovah God, where our Bible reads in John 1.1, in the beginning was the Word, 
and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, their New World Translation takes the verse, inserts the word A before the word God, so that John 1.1 reads, and the Word was A God. And then there are the Mormons, also called the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And probably the best thing that they have going for them is their commercials, right? The ball team isn't half bad either. But, uh, you know, they used to be a cult until they got a ball team. But now they, they're not because they're in the top ten and all that trash. Okay, There's a phrase that's used within Mormonism that... It pretty much sums up their theology, and the phrase is this. As man now is, God once was. As God now is, man can become. Okay, and you'll, you'll see why that sums up their teaching here in just a, a second, if you're not already familiar with what they believe. Most people aren't familiar with what the Mormons really teach. They believe that Jesus was created by God, and is a brother to Satan. They teach what is called divine progression. And the way that fleshes out in their doctrine is that Jesus was once just a man who lived on another planet. But he eventually progressed to a state of being equal to God. And he came to colonize planet Earth with God's to be, or what we call humans. But, unforeseen to Christ, Satan, and of course, you got to remember now, he's, in their theology, he's Jesus' brother. And so, they, you know, these brothers, you know how it is, they have a little sibling rivalry now and then. And, and so, the brothers have a little sibling rivalry, and Satan puts a kink in, in, in Jesus' plan when he comes to planet Earth and he deceives Adam and Eve and as a result of their sin, Jesus was then required to, to, uh, to die for fallen man, his creation. And so as a result of all of this, you see, Jesus then is a, a model for us. And, and now we too have the possibility of becoming equal to God and colonizing other planets. Okay, We can follow the same model of Christ in this thing. And they teach that there are millions of other planets that right now, at this very moment, that are being colonized in the same way in other galaxies. And the Mormon hope is to, to marry through a, a, a Mormon temple ceremony as many earth women as possible to establish what they believe will be an eternal celestial marriage. And the way the thing comes down in their teaching is that in the resurrection, what's going to happen is all good Mormon men will call from the dead those women that they married in a temple ceremony, and then they'll fly off to some uninhabited planet with their many polygamous wives and populate that planet where they'll be God, just like Jesus is God of planet Earth. Wow! I mean, now that is wild. <laughs> I mean, when the truth makes a whole lot better sense, you know, I mean, that's, that's their teaching. And just in case you may be here this morning and are unfamiliar with 
the true doctrine of Jesus Christ that is taught in the Bible and the Bible alone, know first of all that he in no way, shape, or form resembles any of the teachings that we just talked about here. The Bible teaches that Jesus pre-existed his physical birth, that he was the creator of all things, therefore he himself is not a created being. He is the second person of the eternal trinity. The Father, the Son, who is Jesus, and the Holy Spirit are one in essence, that is in their nature and in all of their attributes, and yet they are three in distinct work and purpose. Jesus Christ is co-equal. He is co-eternal. He is co-existent with the Father and the Spirit. And the Bible does teach that one day we will share the divine pattern of moral conduct and we will be equal to God in righteousness. But listen, mankind will in no sense ever be considered or have ever become equal to God in essence. God is God and God is God alone. And no man is ever going to be God. We are recipients of His righteousness. Okay, that's what the Bible says. And yet, as you begin to take the Bible, all the way through it, God talks about false prophets and, and false teachers and those who speak perverse things, those who corrupt the Word of God, those who handle it deceitfully. And normally when we come across those passages, most of the time we tend to focus on the human agent that's involved. But the Scripture... The script takes it a whole lot deeper than that, folks, right down to the very source of false doctrine. This is number two on your outline. Identifying the source of false doctrines concerning the deity of Christ. And folks, do you realize what the Scripture says is the source of all false doctrines concerning the deity of Christ? It is Satan and his demons. And I want to make sure as we're discussing this whole issue that you understand that. And I'd like for you to turn back with me to a very key passage of Scripture for people living in 1997 and beyond to, to see and to understand and to file in their thinking and never let go in their, out of their grasp at any time. Man, folks, this is so key to people living at this time because this is talking about the time that we're living in. 1 Timothy chapter 4. And look with me at verse 1. It says, Now the Spirit speaketh expressly. Okay, now what this is saying is, what is about to be said here isn't a strong possibility. It isn't a, a general rule of thumb. It isn't a general probability. The Spirit of God says, I don't want any confusion about what's, what, what I'm about to say here. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times, and, and the Spirit has also been very clear in revealing the characteristics of the latter times in the Bible, so there's no doubt about the fact that we are presently living in those times. And, and so the Spirit is letting us know that in the very time that we are presently living in, okay, I want to make sure that you understand that part of the context here. He is writing about the very time that we are living in in this verse. 
And he says, about this very time, some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits. Now just stop there for a second and let me ask you something. And I'm not trying to weird you out. But have you ever heard a seducing spirit? Have you ever actually heard a demon speak to you? Now most of us probably haven't, but you know what? You have heard an awful lot of their propaganda coming out of the mouths of their mouthpieces. You you see, folks, a prophet is a mouthpiece. And somebody is controlling everybody's mouth. And what this verse is letting us know is that seducing spirits are behind false prophets. And the doctrines they teach, listen to this now, the doctrines they teach are not the distorted doctrines of men. The end of verse 1 tells us they are nothing less than the doctrines of devils. Can somebody say amen? Now make sure you understand this. Behind all false human teachers are demons, devils. No false teacher on this planet teaches out of his own brain. He teaches from a a demon or demons who inspire him or her to teach. You see, that's the source of false doctrine. And I think it's important that you recognize that when you're talking to one of these these modern-day false teachers and false prophets who come to you and come to your door. You need to understand, folks, that there's a demon spirit that is the real false teacher and the person in front of you is only the mouthpiece. Let me show this to you over in John chapter or 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4. We, we looked at this verse last week, but I want you to, I want you to see it from a, a, a different angle this morning. Kind of like you know, the instant replay. They show you the reverse angle so you can, get a, you know, you can see the fumble coming out there. We're going to look at the reverse angle here. 1 John chapter 4 and verse 1. Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits whether they are of God. Okay, so I want you to note this now. We have been commanded to try or to test, if you will, the spirits. And here's the reason. Because many false prophets are gone out into the world. And we went into detail on that last week, how that if there were many that had already gone out into the world in 90 A.D., how many must there be in 1997 in light of the fact that Paul said in writing to Timothy that evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse. It's just going to get worse with time. So if there were many then, how many, with it progressively getting worse, how many do you think there are today? And he says, that's why you got to test them. That's why you got to try them, because there are so many of them out there 
But I want you to notice here, the same thing that we just saw back in 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 1, I want you to see here the source of false doctrine. Look at it again. He says, try the what? The spirits because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Do you see it? You've got the human agency there, the false prophet, and the spirit or the spirits working behind them. And again, the, the Lord is making sure that we see the connection between false human prophets and demon spirits that are using these humans. And, and what He's commanding us to do any time, any time that we hear anybody who poses to be speaking for the Lord, whether it be myself, I'm not asking you to do anything different with these people than I'm asking you to do with me every time, every Sunday morning when I come to this, this pulpit, every Sunday night when Frank comes or any of our other pastors or anybody that we might invent, uh, or invite in to, to speak from here, anybody that shows up on your door, anybody that you invite into your living room via the television. Listen, any time somebody opens their mouth to speak, posing to be speaking in the name of the Lord, we need to understand that we have been commanded to try them. To put them on trial, if you will, because one of two things is true. Okay? It's this simple. Look at verse 6. He is either, this, this guy who's about to speak now, this person at the door, the guy on the television, the guy at your church on Sunday morning, he is either a prophet speaking for the spirit of truth, or you see it at the end of verse 6, or he's a prophet speaking for the spirit of error. Now, the spirit of truth, uh, who's that? The Holy Spirit, right? In John chapter 16 and verse 13, Jesus referred to him by that very same title. He said, Howbeit, when he, the spirit of of truth is come, He will guide you into all truth. And the spirit of error. Okay, Paul already nailed that for us in 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 1. It is a seducing spirit of a demon or a, a, a devil. Masterminded, of course, by, by Satan himself. And the Lord makes determining which is, which is which here just real simple back in verses 2 and 3. Okay, look at what he says in verse 2. Hereby, okay, by this, this is how you'll know, hereby know ye the Spirit of God, or the Spirit of truth. I mean, here it is. Every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. I mean, it's just real cut and dry. It's just real simple. If you believe that Jesus is the Christ, if you believe that He is God in human flesh, you're of God, and if you don't, you're not. And the way that John consistently uses the word confess throughout the whole book of 1 John, the word confess means to agree or to say the same thing. And he's saying here that to be a true teacher of the, from the Holy Spirit that person must agree 
with God's revelation concerning who Jesus Christ is. And if he doesn't, he's speaking from a demonic source. That was a great place to come in there and say, I believe that. Amen. Folks, you know what? I know, I know that we don't like to bring it to the bottom line in 1997 like the Lord does here through John in 1997. You see, the way we like to approach stuff like this is we like to say, but, well, you know, they're, they're such nice people. Or, well, you know, they, they talk about the God of the Old Testament in, in that religion. They just don't see Christ the way that we do. No, 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 you don't understand. God says... It's a demonic source. And we've got, to, we've got to let the Bible jolt us on that thing. Humanly, they might be real nice, sweet people, but you've got to realize Satan's going to try to use them to deceive you, and he's going to try to use them to, de- to deceive the same people that we're trying to reach in this community with the true saving gospel of Christ. And look again at verse 3. And every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. Now let me teach you something very interesting about this word every. The word every in the Greek means every. Not some, not a lot, not most. Every. It is an absolute, exclusive test. And and look at how he further develops the point in the second part of verse 3. And this is that spirit of Antichrist, whereof ye have heard that it should come, and even now, already, in 90 A.D., is it in the world. It was already in the world in 90 A.D. Guys, you know what? It's had a whole lot of time to be operating. 1907 years from the time that that was written. And you see, as we get further into the book of Revelation, we're going to see where God just goes into great detail about the Antichrist. And in about eight years, we'll probably get to the point where we're covering that. Just kidding. Crying out loud. We got him nervous now. And, and, and I'm not planning on doing it you know, for the next solid eight years. We're going to break for lunch here in just a minute, okay? But we're going to go into detail about this, 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 this Antichrist who is no doubt somewhere alive on this planet at this very moment. I mean, is that, is that wild? Somewhere on this planet, that guy's already kicking. He's already, I mean, that's a sobering thought. But you need to understand this. What he is teaching us here is Antichrist is not just a man. Antichrist is a system of opposition against Christ. And what the Lord is is telling us here through John is that if anybody comes along and says that Jesus Christ is anything less than very God, What he says is they are of Antichrist source. They are demonic. Now there's a lot of areas where we don't have a hard time with with being able to identify satanic 
sources. For example, do young people, if I talk about somebody that comes to your mind that would be antichrist and demonic, who comes to your mind? Marilyn Manson. How many of you adults have ever heard of Marilyn Manson? How many of you never heard of him? Do you, do you know Marilyn Manson grew, uh, was born 25 minutes from New Philadelphia, Ohio, from Canton? And this guy, oh my goodness, he, he takes his name, Marilyn, from Marilyn Monroe because of the, the sex act aspect of that, and Manson for, yeah, you guessed it, Charles Manson, the helter-skelter thing and all of this deal. There's another guy that's in his band, and this guy's name is Madonna Wayne Gacy. And he takes his name from Madonna. And John Wayne Gacy, who is the executed homosexual who killed 33 boys. So any wonder about the source of these guys? I mean, he, he actually says that he is a bisexual transvestite. He is a reverend in the, the Church of Satan. He was ordained a priest by Anton LaVey, you know, and all of this, this kind of stuff. The name of his tour, you know what it is? Antichrist Superstar. I mean, it's just right in the face. They had a deal on this uh, on TV about, oh, what was it, two weeks or so ago, and, uh, you know, they're showing all of the, the perversion and all of this. They've got, you, you really can't, I can't understand the words, and I'm glad of it because what they were doing is kind of playing, you know, they're telling you the words they can't tell you and then playing hangman with you. You know, they put the one, the first letter and da, 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 you know, so that you know what, what oh, you just, you just have, if you, if you didn't see that, you have no idea. You have no idea. I mean, it's, it's so sick. He is, he, he's coughing up loogies, and he's spitting them out on the people. And he is asking the people in the crowd to hock up loogies to spit on him. Now, you know, that's a lot of fun, isn't it? You know what, guys? I'm getting ready to go out and shake hands in the foyer. But as I'm going, would you guys cough up loogies on me? Oh, oh, thank you, thank you. Oh, I love that. Oh, man. Oh, boy, that was... Mm. <laughs> And, and we look at that, and if you would have watched the same program, you know, you would have been sitting there right along with me going, you know what we did? We, we got about 30 seconds into it. Uh-uh. We, we can't even watch this. It was that detestable. It was that deplorable. I mean, we're just looking at this, and it's Satan right in front of you. And we don't understand that they come all the time, and we're patting them on the head and thinking, well they may not believe the same thing that we believe about Christ, but at least they believe in Jehovah. <laughs> hey, at, at least Marilyn Manson lets you know where he stands. At least he tells you the name of his tour. They're on that tour all the time. Antichrist. Is this my opinion? I'm just all, all I'm doing is busting exactly what God says about it right here. That's exactly what He says. So man, don't don't get all bent about me. I don't like that guy. You may not like me, but hey, at, at least don't argue with me about it. Argue with the real source of it. it it's the book. Turn back to chapter two of First John for a sec, because He's already covered some key things about this antichrist spirit and how it relates to the deity of Christ. 
look at verse 18 of chapter 2. Little children, it is the last time. And as you have heard that Antichrist shall come, okay, now at this point he's talking about the Antichrist. The one that Second Thessalonians chapter 2, the one that refers to him as the man of sin, the son of perdition. And John says, you've heard all about the, the, the Antichrist coming. But he goes on to say, even now are there many Antichrists whereby we know that it is the last time. Now, now one thing is for sure. If you don't have a Christ... You can't have an antichrist, right? I mean, if I tell you that something's counterfeit, then you've got to ask, it's a counterfeit of what? If there's a counterfeit, there's got to be a genuine somewhere. And if you have an antichrist, then you've got to have a what? A Christ. So the fact that there are many... Antichrist in the world means that there is most definitely a true Christ. And the more Antichrist activity you see around you, the more you discern the lateness of the hour because Satan knows what time it is, guys. Even though most Christians have go, you know, through life and they don't have a clue as to what time it is on God's calendar, Satan knows. And so he's got many antichrists out there in 1997 doing all kinds of things because he knows, whoa, buddy, we are getting ready to plant the antichrist on the throne here. And so we just got to get that spirit prevailing all over the world. And drop down to verse 22, John says, Who is a liar but he that denieth that Jesus is the Christ and the Christ means the fact that He is God. The promised one of the Old Testament who would come to this earth as the God-man. And you can know exactly what you're dealing with as soon as you hear someone tell you that they don't believe that Jesus Christ is Jehovah God in a human body. You know right from that very moment you know you're dealing with someone who has bought into the lie of the devil, literally. And as he becomes the mouthpiece of Satan, propagating the fact that Jesus Christ is just a God and not God alone, they themselves become, what does he say? A liar. Again, this is not my terminology, guys. I'm just using the terminology that God used. Who is a liar, but he that denieth that Jesus is the Christ. And go on in verse 22. He is Antichrist. Listen, it doesn't matter what people claim to be or what they claim to believe. If they do not believe that Jesus is God in human flesh, God says they are Antichrist. They may talk about God. They may say that Jesus was a wonderful man and a fine example and, and all other kind of wonderful things about Him. Even that He is the, the highest of all of God's creation. But if they don't believe that He is actually God incarnate, 
the creator of all creation, God in human flesh, the Bible says they are antichrist. And watch what the rest of verse 22 says. The one who does this, the one who denies that Christ is in fact Jehovah God, denies the Father and the Son. Now did you see that? He doesn't just deny the Son. He winds up denying the Father. You know, you hear a Christian say stuff like, well, they don't believe in Christ, but at least they believe in God. No, 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 no. A thousand times, no. They don't believe in the God of the Bible because the God of the Bible is manifest in the Son. And what he says here, if you deny the Son, you deny God. Because they're one in the same. And verse 23 just drives that, that home that same point. Whosoever denieth the Son, the same hath not the Father. No ifs, ands, and buts. They don't have any part with God. They connect to Antichrist, to Satan and his devils. No matter what name they're throwing around or like to be called by, they deny Jehovah God. They deny the Father. And do you know? Okay, what, what I tried to do is I tried to show you the, the false doctrines we're dealing with in the way out of season, or the, the last days, if you will. I tried to show you the source behind these false doctrines so that we, we understand exactly what we're dealing with. Because, you know what, I don't think that most Christians, I don't think they have a clue about what we've talked about today. I mean, did you see the seriousness of it before this morning? I mean, we're, we're, we're dealing with an issue here that God is so strong on that, did you know, that He reserved one entire book of the Bible? I mean, the entire book? is in your Bible just to teach you how to respond to these false doctrines? And yet, you know what? I will bet you that if of the 27 books in the New Testament, I'll bet you it ranks number 24, 25, 26, or 27 in the least understood books of the Bible. And it's the book of 2 John. And I had some crazy idea that maybe we were going to be able to cover that this morning. Um, and so, you know what? We are going to cover it next week. And you know what we're going to do? We're going to, in the midst of our study of the book of Revelation, I'm going to teach you the book of Second John. <laughs> You've got to understand something. Our goal... Our goal is, is not to teach books of the Bible. Our, 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 book, our, our, our goal is to feed the flock which is among you and to deal with what we're dealing with. And we are going to cover the book of Revelation. But you know what? You just Unless you understand this issue, the issue we are fighting right now, the issue for the deity of Jesus Christ and the Antichrist spirit that is prevalent everywhere around, unless you know how to respond biblically, do you know what God says about this? And I'll just wet your whistle with this. You know what? God says, if you don't respond to these false teachers 
the right way, you know that God says it will have eternal consequences upon you? That's how serious God says that it is. Now, we'll talk about what those eternal consequences are next week, and we're still going to come back to what we left hanging up in the air. Um, but if you're here th- this morning, and, and why, don't, why don't everybody just go ahead and pack up, and then every eye, why don't we just come back here and let's, let's see if we can't nail this thing this morning. <clears throat> <clears throat> If you're here this morning and you've never received Jesus Christ as your Savior, I want you to know this this book is God's Word to us. The only thing that we can bank our lives on is this. You know that little kid's song? I stand alone on the Word of God the B-I-B-L-E Bible. You know what? That is probably the most profound song in all the world. Because all other ground is sinking sand. This is the foundation of life because it is the words of life from the living God. This is what we bank on. This church, everything that we, we talk about, we don't have our little set of doctrines over there Well, the Bible teaches this, but we believe this. No. We believe this. And sometimes, facts are just real hard things to deal with. (laughs) You know? And what the Scripture says is that we are to hold fast to this book. Preach the Word. Be instant, in season, out of season. Don't lift this thing out of your grasp. It's going to come a day where people don't endure sound doctrine. Preach it anyway. Because there'll be, there'll be a couple hundred nuts out there in the last days who will still believe that you can bank your life on this book. And you know what? The reason we believe that is it, he changed our life through this book, didn't he? We came into a personal relationship with the God of this universe through this book. And man, he changed our life. And sometimes when we come together, we've got to, we've got to just face some things. We've got to wake up to what's around us. And I know, I, I, I know that you're probably not accustomed to going to a church where somebody is foaming at the mouth and, you know, and he, he's up there calling everything that, that moves an antichrist and, you know, sees a demon behind every bush and, you know, all of that, that kind of stuff. But you know what? I'm just trying to make sure that we are faithful to what this book says and so that we all understand exactly what we're dealing with out there. But behind all of this, yeah, there are many antichrists. And as, I, as we saw there, what John said, the fact that there are many antichrists, it isn't that proof enough that Christ is a power that the devil knows he's got to reckon with? And the reason we see all of the stuff that we see around us and we hear all of the counterfeits is because there is something genuine in the person of Jesus Christ, the only one that can change your life. And I'm telling you, there is. And you can come to Jesus Christ with your sin. Your sin is what separates you from God. 
Not the fact that you don't go to church enough. Not the fact that you you know cheated on your taxes five years ago. No, and that's a sin. But that's not going to send you to hell in itself. The fact is you are a sinner, spiritually dead. When you came born into this planet, Jesus Christ came to this planet, God in a human body, to take your sin so that you didn't have to pay the consequences of it. And man, Satan does everything he can to try to get people to miss the simple truth that I just told you. You know what? It doesn't get any deeper than that. Jesus is God come to this earth to take your sin so that when you come to Him as a sinner and say, would you please forgive me? Come into my life. I don't want to continue going my way. I want your way. I don't want to be the ruler of my life. I want you to call the shots in my life. That's the simple message of the Bible. Don't make it hard. But for God's sake, don't listen to the Antichrist spirits that are all around you that are denying that simple truth. And today, today, Jesus Christ can change your life just as He has done hundreds of people around you. The way that we give you the opportunity to respond is as we're dismissed, our pastors remain up on either side of the, the, the worship center. And they're there to, to talk to you. And so listen, as everybody's heading out today, if you've never received Jesus Christ, oh, for God's sake, because of the lateness of the hour, would you at least talk to someone? Would you at least just ask the questions that you have concerning that? So that before it is eternally too late, Jesus Christ can be your personal Lord and Savior. Let's pray.